an early start. So if you um, want to encourage you to come up, our leadership, and if you're a parent here, we're going to come up and lay hands on these young men and women, send them off with our blessing. Come on, guys. Come on, huddle up here. You want to go? All right. I think they have room. I mean, what a, let's just give it up for these guys. What a nice-looking group. I get to be a part of it. So if you would, just in the congregation, if you just kind of extend your hands forward, we want to pray for them, that God gives them a safe trip. And, Lord, we just bless you this morning. Thank you for your presence in our, um, in our congregation this morning. Thank you for being here with us. And, Lord, as these young men and women and our, their leaders uh, take off to Dallas for camp, God, we pray that your strong anointing would be with them. We pray that your angels would be about them, Lord, giving them your traveling mercies as they go and as they come back, Father. But we pray, God, that as they're there, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one, that you would impart something in each life, Lord God. Father, that you would so deep, take them into deep waters this week, Lord God, and let them return full, wells full of water that they would pour out on a dry and thirsty land. We bless them, and we bless you, Holy Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you guys. All right, Lucille, thanks. She, ha she has a word right here. Come on. Okay, well, what the Lord said to me as I was praying for you guys this morning that being a youth at this time in this generation is hard. It's a lot of work, and he wants to give you guys rest, and I know it's going to be fun and exciting. My kids went, and they had a blast, but take the time to rest in his presence. Take the time to take what he gives you. He's going to speak to you. Take it and treasure it. Hold on to it. Don't let go. Listen to what he's telling you. And let it change your life forever. He has a commission for you guys. He has a purpose for your lives. And he's going to do fun and exciting things through you. So just let him do it. Enjoy it. Have fun. Amen. Look what God did. Look what God did. That's awesome. All right. Um, for everyone who's up here, um, we need about 25 minutes to uh, pick up some things. So if you guys will all just go back to the bleachers and I'll call you when we're ready to go out to the vans. Okay. Sorry. All right. Announcements. So, uh, while, while they're uh, moving around, why don't you just stand up, go to somebody that you don't know, give somebody a high five, a fist bump, and say, welcome to the light at Mission Viejo.
Okay, if you'll find your way back, please. So uh, this morning, the song that we were singing this morning, uh, I, Evan was doing that song. He was talking about the Lord being in this place. You know, the, um, that reminded me, and I don't know if that's where the song, what the song was taken from or the passage of Scripture. In Genesis 28, after uh, Jacob had deceived his father Isaac into believing that he was Esau and, and uh Jacob gave him the blessing. Uh, in the very next chapter, he's running for his life because Esau wants to kill him. And he's out kind of in this place all by himself. And uh, he lays his head uh, on a pillow. And um, he has this dream. And it says that when he awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely, there, he's there all by himself. He says, surely the Lord is, is, in, is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. And he said that, uh, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And, uh, you know, it, it just amazes me that sometimes we think, you know, God, where are you? And then God is just right there. Sometimes we don't realize his presence. So I want to encourage you guys, no matter what circumstance or situation you're in right now, we know if you've lived any kind of life at all, you know that life can throw you a curveball. And uh, it can be in your work, it can be in your marriage or relationships, it can be with your children, it can be a health issue or a financial issue, but I want you to know the Bible says that God is with us. No matter where you are, what you're going through, God is with you. And remember, you know, uh, when in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 1 and 2, where uh, the angel is speaking to Mary and to Joseph, and he says, you shall call this child's name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And sometimes life seems that way. It's like, God, where are you? Where are you in this moment? But he says, Emmanuel, God with us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Okay? That was free. It has nothing to do with my message this morning, but it was meant for somebody. All right. Um, I'm, you know, I want to just speak about godly fathers, and um, I want to just share with you some characteristics of godly fathers. And I'm going to start with the father of faith. Uh, this is uh, uh, taken from Genesis chapter 12. And you'll remember that um, Abraham was in this land that was, uh, it was called the uh, Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq today. Um, but he is there, and God begins to speak to him. And, I mean, their, their worship consisted of idol worship, just all, all kinds of idols. And they had sun gods and moon gods and, you know, wind gods and rain gods and sex gods, all of this type of stuff. God calls him out of there, says, I'm going to take you into a place. I'm going to take you into this land called the promised land. And so Abraham and his wife and his nephew Lot, uh, begin this journey. They go into the promised land. But have you ever wondered, I have, uh, why God called Abraham? You know, why? What's the purpose? I mean, why? There was a lot of people there. I mean, why does God look down at one man and call him out? Let's just begin. Genesis chapter 12 says, And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kinder and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
and I will bless those that bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then we uh, read in uh, Genesis chapter 18, uh, it says, Abraham, now th this is why, he called him out and uh, that in chapter 12 and six chapters later, we find out why. It says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, listen to this, I, I, I went all the way up there, I mean, you know, maybe a thousand miles away from this promised land, and I, I'm, I'm calling him down to this promised land, and this is why I've called him. I have chosen him so that he will direct his children, okay, Father's Day, all right, listen to this, listen up. I called him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring him or bring about for Abraham what he's promised. So God's saying that the, the very main reason that I called Abraham is because I know that he's going to cause his children to walk in the ways of the Lord. That, that's still something that God wants us to do today. Um, in, in Romans chapter 4, it says, He's the father of us all. He's called the father of faith. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that were not. God gives life to the dead. In John chapter 5, I believe it's in chapter 5, he says, The hour's coming... And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those that hear will live. Now think about that. The hour's coming in which the dead will hear. I mean, if you're dead, how can you hear anything? The dead are dead, right? But he's talking about those that are spiritually dead. That's why the Bible says that you and I need to be born again. That you are, you, when you were born, you were born in sin and you were born an enemy to God. But the Bible says that there comes a time when the wind begins to blow. That's what Jesus says about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. The wind begins to blow, and we can hear the sound of the wind blowing. And, and you know, we can hear it kind of rustling through the, the leaves of the trees, but we can't tell where the wind's coming from, and we can't tell where the wind's going. That's the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God begins to blow into our lives, and He'll blow in. And you guys will remember, before you were saved, there was somebody that brought a word to you, talk, started talking to you about Jesus and how he died on the cross for your sins, how that he was, you know, crucified, laid in a tomb, that he was resurrected from the grave, and that he was risen and ascended into heaven. And someone began to speak that message to you, and the first couple of times you heard it, you just thought, ah, this is nonsense, this is not for me, this is church, this is religion. But all of a sudden, there comes a moment in your life when all of a sudden those words have life. And that's what this scripture means. The hour's coming, and now is when the dead, those that are spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those that hear will live. All of a sudden it's not a story anymore. It's not a Christmas story about Santa Claus, and it's not an Easter story about a bunny. It's a Christmas story about the birth of a Savior, and it's an Easter story about the resurrection of a Savior. And all of a sudden, those words take on new meaning and they take on life, and we begin to become the sons and the daughters of God. We, be we begin to change, not because we want to, because God's Holy Spirit comes into our life. 
and he begins to bring change to us. So let me just share with you some characteristics of a godly father. A godly father prays for his children. Let me just give you an example. Now, when we're praying to God, what are we doing to God? We're just talking to God, right? We're talking to Jesus. We're talking to the Father. That's what prayer is, just a conversation. You and I are having a conversation with the Father and with the Son. It says, there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man had heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him. He's talking to him. He's pleading with him. He's praying to him, come and heal my son who was close to death. And Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And the royal official said, sir, come, or my child's going to die. And so Jesus replied, your son will live. And the man um, took Jesus at his word. That's always a good thing to do. Believe the word of God. And he departed. And while he was still on his way, his servants met him on the road with the news that the boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time that his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. And so he and his entire household believed. Not just when our children are sick should we pray for them, but we need to be in prayer for our children right now. As your children are young, you can kneel down beside the bed of your child at night, lay hands on your children, begin to pray for them. God's hand of protection, that God would deliver them from evil and temptation and sin and all manner of accident and harm, that God would deliver them, that his strong hand would be upon them. You can pray for a wife for your son or a, um, a, a husband for your daughter. You can pray those kind of prayers that, God, you know, you know. And I'm asking you, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would protect this child and, and lead this child and guide this child all the days of his life. Continue to pray. Godly, godly fathers will pray for their children. Number two, a godly father will teach their children. Um, you'll remember this that Jesus said when he was asked what the great, greatest commandment was. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, verses 4. It starts in verse 4. It's called the Shema. And in uh, Hebrew, it's Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And it translates this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Now listen to this, godly fathers, you shall teach them, teach these words to your children. Diligently teach them to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Teach the children. I remember when uh, Jason was, uh, I don't know, he was five, six, seven years old, and we were raising my nephew at that time. They were close uh, in age, about a year apart. But I remember telling them stories from the Bible. You know, we tell, you know, you, I mean, all of the nursery rhymes and all of the things that you tell your children and they want to hear again and again. But I began to tell them stories out of the Bible. One particular one that I like to tell them was the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, how he calls the fire down and consumes the prophet prophets of Baal. But I remember telling the, the, these kids the story, and as soon as I would finish, they would say, tell it again, Dad, tell it again. 
And, you know, there was such enthusiasm, you know, as they, they wanted to hear that story again. And I just encourage you guys, you know, when your children go to bed at night, tell them a Bible story. It will stick with them. It will be with them all the days of their life. Tell them, you know, uh, teach them Scripture. Help them to memorize Scripture. Je uh, uh, Riley just got back. By the way, God bless that little kid. Man, he was trying to get me those rodeo tickets. So, I mean, <laughs> Riley, he is my man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, anyway, teach, teach your, your children the Word of God. You know, he, was, uh, he had just spent a couple of uh, a days at Vacation Bible School, and he was, he was showing Nina and I how he had memorized all the Old Testament books. And I was thinking, I don't even know if I know or we could recite and order all the Old Testament books. But, you know, after three, you know, three days or four days in Vacation Bible School, I mean, this guy, he's you know, like rattling those books off. Teach your children the Word of God. Um, you know, let me just say this. You're teaching them one way or the other. They're learning from you. They're learning either the good things in your life or the bad things in your life. Um, you know, uh, Marcus did a, such a good job on that song. I've got this song here, actually the lyrics of this song from uh, Rodney Atkins. And uh, I'm, maybe I could ask Marcus to come up and say, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But listen to this. Listen to the words of this song. And, you know, it, it just really brings home to what our kids are learning from us. Driving through town, just my boy and me, with a happy meal in his booster seat, knowing that he couldn't have the toy till his nuggets were gone. Of course, we've all been there and didn't do that. It says, a green light turned red, turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath as flies went, uh, fries went flying and his orange drink covered his lap. Well, then, my four-year-old said a four-letter word that started with S, and I was concerned. So I said, son, now where did you learn to talk like that? He said, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your little buckaroo. I want to be just like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camo pants, yeah. We're just alike. Hey, ain't we, Dad? I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. Well, we got back home, and I went to the barn, and I bowed my head, and I prayed real hard and said, Lord, please help me, help my stupid self. Then this side of bedtime later that night, turning on my son's Scooby-Doo light, night light, he crawled out of bed, and he got down on his knees, and he closed his little eyes and folded his little hands and he spoke to God like he was talking to a friend. And I said, son, now where did you learn to pray like that? And he said, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo, and I want to be just like you. So our kids are learning from us. They're learning the good things in your life, and they're learning the bad things in our life. And sometimes they learn, and I, I believe this, more, they learn more from what we do than what we say. And I want to just tell you, they're watching you. They're watching how you love your wife and how you treat your wife and how you talk to your wife. They're watching you how you conduct your business. They're watching you to see if you read your Bible, uh, if you pray, and they're watching you if you go to church. And you know what you're saying to your kids if you're not going to church? You're saying church isn't important. They're watching you if you give. 
Do you tithe? Because if you're not tithing, what you're telling your children is tithing's not important. Just It's your money. Just do whatever you want to with it. They're watching you, what you watch on TV. They're watching you, uh, you know, what, what, what are you listening to on the radio? They're watching you, how you live your life. So godly fathers not only pray for their children and teach their children, godly fathers discipline their children. This comes from Hebrews chapter um, 12, and it says, My son, do not make light the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one that he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined by their fathers? And if you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons, not daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. I certainly did. I mean, I can remember my mom and dad, my mom especially, she would tell me to go out and we had a hedge out there, and she'd tell me to go out and get a little switch. And I'd bring that back, and man, she would wail on me. And, I, you know, I soon learned that the thick switches really hurt. But I'd go out and get one that would just kind of like blow in the breeze, you know. You, it's like after two or three times to get the thick switch, you get a thin switch, all right? And she's swinging that thing that's already behind her shoulder. But you know what? I don't regret it at all. I mean, my parents loved me. I know that they loved me, and I know that they were disciplining me, not because they were mad at me or hated me um, or they wanted to hurt me. They were disciplining me for the right reason. No discipline, and certainly didn't at that time, seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, I remember the story about the little boy. We've all had this, you know, young little boy or daughter going to bed, and they start that, you know, after everybody's tucked in, everybody goes and gets to bed. You know, Dad, I'm thirsty. Could you get me a drink of water? No, son, go back to sleep. A little while later, Dad, I'm thirsty. And this goes on for about an hour. Finally, the dad says, Son, if you don't get your butt back in bed, I'm going to come up there and I'm going to paint your back porch red. We all know what that means, right? There was silence for a long time, and finally the little boy said, Dad, when you come up to paint my porch, could you bring me a drink of water? <laughs> Gotta love those kids. Number four, godly fathers forgive their children. Uh, I like this from the prodigal son, because when we read that story, we're always thinking about the son, but I'm going to focus on the father right now. He says that, and he's in that distant land, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. 
let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. That's what happens in heaven. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. And the father could have. We know that the older son knew how the son was spending the money, that he spent it on wild living and women and uh, just being crazy. He was out there in this distant land. And, you know, we think about, you know, what was the father thinking in the first place? Why did he give that kid the money? I mean, that was the grace of God. That was, you know, God, you know, sometimes God allows us to have our own will. He allows us to do the things, even though, you know, he knows that that is not the best choice for us. But sometimes you have to stick your finger in the fire to find out that the stove is hot. And that's the only way that sometimes some of us learn. I know that was for me. I could read it and read it and read it, but it was only when I would touch the stove, I would find out that it's hot. Later on, I think as we begin to, you know, grow in the Lord and mature, mature in the Lord, that we find out it's better to just listen to God's Word. Now, as I'm thinking about this uh, story about the prodigal son, I remember the story I've told here many a time before about Ernest Hemingway, uh, a short story that he wrote called The Capital of the World. And in that story, he has a teenage son, and he and his son got into an argument. The son had run away from home, and um, he had gone to Madrid, Spain, and he's there, and the father's heart is for restoration of his son. And, of course, you know, when the story was written, there was no, you know, uh, email or texts. Um, and so the father, longing to be reunited with the son, uh, takes out an ad in the paper. And the son's name was Paco. And this is how the ad read. It says, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, all is forgiven, Papa. He placed that ad in the paper it says that in his story, on Tuesday at noon, the father arrived at the hotel, and what he saw, he couldn't believe his eyes. He said there was an entire squadron of police officers had been called in order to um, uh, contain 800 young boys. It turned out that each of them was named Paco, and each of them had a relationship with their father that had been broken, each one of them seeking reconciliation with the Father. That's the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is to be reconciled with those of us that have a broken relationship with Him. And finally, not only does a, a godly father pray for their children, a godly father teaches their children, a godly father disciplines their children, a godly father forgives their children, a godly father will leave a lasting legacy this is David's uh, words, last words on his deathbed, and he's saying to Solomon, his son, I am about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong and act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him. Keep His decrees and His commands, His laws and His regulations. As it is written in the law of Moses, do this and you will prosper in all that you do wherever you go. And that the Lord may keep His promise. If your descendants watch how they leave or how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all of their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. And we know that David, this man after God's own heart, did leave a lasting legacy. 
he established with his sons, teaching them the way of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 112, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. If you want your children to be mighty in the land, you teach them and train them in the ways of the Lord. I'd like for um, those of you that are fathers here this morning, if you would just stand. I want to pray a prayer over you, just like we prayed for uh, our youth that were taking, uh, taking off for camp. So, you know, men of God, fathers, I want to pray this for you. And so some of you that aren't standing, if you just go and place your hands on the shoulders of these that are standing, I'm going to give you a minute. So I know that as I read this this morning and, and, and listened to even my own words, I think about the many times that I've failed as a father, and some of you might be feeling that way now. But I want to just tell you that as long as you're alive, I don't care how old your children are, your children need the love of a father. And it's never too late to do the right thing. You know, we've failed, we've messed up in the past, but it's never too late to do the right thing. And today could be the beginning, a new beginning for all of us uh, in this place that we feel like maybe we didn't teach our children, we didn't discipline them, we, you know, are holding still, maybe some of us are still holding grudges against our children, and we want to leave that lasting legacy. So, Father, we just ask you in the name of your Son, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would just come, Lord, that you would forgive us our failure Forgive us our mistakes, Lord, where we have failed as fathers and we're, we have failed as uh, husbands to our wives. Lord, that you would help us to teach our children and to listen to them and to show godly, fatherly love, Lord, that we could encourage them uh, in their walk, no matter how old they are today. Lord, let, let words come from our mouth. Let, let our children know that how much we love them and care for them, desire their success in this world, Father. First of all, beginning with you in a relationship with you, just like David instructing his son Solomon with his last words, with his last breath, instructing them and him in the ways of the Lord. Father, help us to do the same thing. Let your Holy Spirit just come upon us. Teach us the things that we don't know. Help us to say the things that we normally wouldn't say. Father, help us to show love that's been difficult for us to show in the past. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's just lift up a shout of, to our God. I mean, we serve a mighty God. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. So I think that's the end of our service. Why don't you just stand up and I'll give you, uh, I was looking for the worship team, but uh, they went to camp. <laughs> Father, we bless you. We want to just say that we love you this morning. Thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, you know our hurts and our pain and our brokenness and our weakness. And God, I thank you that you are still the mender and the healer of a broken heart. Father, that you can correct our path. That scripture out of Proverbs says to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge you and you will direct our steps, Lord. You know a better path for my life than I know, Father. So I'm asking you that you would take charge of my life, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And I'm asking for all of the men and women in this congregation, lead us in paths of righteousness 
for your great name's sake. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.
so